0: We're all in. We're all yours. We thank you for every breath. We come to adore you and to bow down before you. Our lives, and we just want to thank you and love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. You're not wearing a mask. You're kidding me, right? It's unbelievable. Hey, you haven't fallen into this foolish notion that a mask is actually going to do anything for you, right? Have you done the science? You, you didn't vote Democrat, did you? I thought you were a Christian. Oh, I get it. You're one of those right-wing, Bible-thumping, gun-carrying Republicans, right? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. When they come out with a vaccine, you're not going to take it, right? That's just stupid. You know what? When they do come out with the vaccine, people don't take it just plain selfish. They're just thinking about themselves. Wait, seriously, you don't spank your kids, do you? That's barbaric, man. You ought to be in jail. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate your children. He smokes. She drinks. He cusses like a sailor. She's gay. He's a liar. She gossips can you believe they dressed the way they did if I had their kind of money? You know, they they let their kids do TikTok. Can you believe that? They're on vacation again. I could go on and on and on, family. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, (laughs) I'm like everybody else. I got some areas in my life where I could, should grow up a little bit, but you know, at least I'm not as bad as Now, we don't say those things out loud very often because we're churchy people. But they're here, aren't they? They're in here. My sermon today is short, simple, and to the point. And just like always, you might misunderstand some of my ramblings I do myself. But I guarantee you, when you get to the dinner table at lunch today and somebody asks you what the sermon's about, you're going to be able to tell them. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, that's how you're going to be judged. With the measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. Do not judge. It's pretty clear, isn't it? And look, Jesus didn't give any exceptions here. There's no room for loopholes. It's not like Jesus said, hey, you know, if you guys, would you work on this a little bit? Because things are kind of crazy right now. Would you try not to judge each other, please? It's not like he said, don't judge somebody unless they do something really egregious. And then, of course, you know, no, he's very clear here in the kingdom of God. There is zero tolerance for a judgmental spirit, zero. And listen to me, he, he lived this. He got in trouble over and over and over again for not judging people that everybody around him, especially the religious people, thought he should judge. The Pharisees said he eats with tax collectors and sinners. The very people they expected people to judge, Jesus, Jesus to judge, he gave full love and acceptance to. He did not give affirmation to them. Listen to me, there's a big difference between accepting somebody and affirming what they're doing. But Jesus gave full, non judgmental acceptance to everybody he ran into across the board ethnic groups, religious rejects, heretics, pagans, Samaritans, backstabbers prostitutes, sexually immoral people, lepers, everybody he gave full exceptions to across the board. In fact, the only people Jesus ever condemned, interestingly enough, were the religious leaders that condemned other people in the name of God. To them, he said in Luke chapter 11 verse 39 in the message version, I love the way it reads, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun. But I also know that inside, you're maggoty with greed and secret evil. Stupid Pharisees, I've had it with you. You're frauds. You're like unmarked graves. One of the religious leaders spoke up, Teacher, do you realize in saying these things you're insulting us? Yes, I do, Jesus said, and I could get a whole lot more explicit. Jesus was incredibly non-judgmental with sinners of all kind with one exception, people who judged other people. He had nothing to do with that. John chapter 3, verse 17, the one after the most popular verse, Jesus did not come to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came to abolish condemnation. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says something very interesting. There is therefore now how much condemnation, church? No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. One of the biggest reasons Jesus came to the planet was to abolish the spirit of condemnation and judgmentalism and get everybody to love God and love each other. And he has no tolerance for judging. It's pretty clear. Do not judge. Now, somebody says, well, you read it out of the NIV and you just paraphrased the message version. How's that read in the original Greek? Okay, you got me there. Here's how this reads in the original Greek. Thou shalt not judge, period. Do you know what that means? That means that the church ought to be the most least judgmental place on the on earth. That means that Christians ought to be the least judgmental people on the planet. That means the church, this church, if it's to have any reputation at all, if we're to be known for anything at all, people ought to say, well, I'll tell you one thing about South Union Christian Church. They accept everybody. This is a grace-filled church that redeems people and loves people, and they have this unbelievable tolerance of acceptance. Off the chart, they just let everybody in, always. That ought to be our reputation. People ought to say things like, you know what, I, I got some dark secrets. And some of them are so dark, I, I wouldn't tell my therapist. I wouldn't tell my bar buddies or my 12-step people. I wouldn't tell my wife, my best friend, or my dog because I'm afraid they'll judge me. But I'll tell you one thing, I'd stand up at my church and speak it because that's the one place where nobody judges me. If you're on an airplane with somebody and they're a complete stranger and you can tell they need some help, and you start talking a little bit, and it comes up in the conversation that you're a Christian. Their immediate response ought to be, "Man, am I glad to hear that? I'm so messed up financially and relationally and sexually. I I, I just was afraid, scared to death, I was going to be sitting next to somebody on a plane that would judge me. But now that I know you're a Christian, I might even be able to freely talk about this because this is a safe place of grace. Is it? Are we? Is the church as a whole, because I'm afraid we're not. In fact, what the church is known for, according to the most recent polls right now, is judging people. And I know some people might say, well, you know, it might not be the Christian fault. It might be the non-Christian fault that they don't want to be confronted with the truth. I hear your argument, but it's interesting that anybody that met Jesus met the most holy person they would ever come in contact with and at the same time the most accepting person they could ever meet do not judge accept but don't affirm i love what john ortberg says we must abandon the deeply rooted practice of blaming and condemning other people even ourselves because there's no condemnation we're a mess man we're out of control I want to talk a little bit about that. First of all, I want to say what it probably isn't. I don't think Jesus is saying here, number one, that we need to abandon discernment and moral judgment and just believe everything we read and everything we see. we got to discern things. Look, if you go to the dentist and when he's done examining you, he says, you know what, you, um, I can see you've got some receding going on in your gum line and you've got a cavity or two in there. I don't think you've been flossing and brushing like you should. Hey, that's his job okay? That's what he does. He's not condemning you as a person. He's accepting you as a person, but he's not affirming the way you've been taking care of your mouth. On the other hand, if you went to your dentist and when he was done examining you, he said, you're an idiot, man. I've seen better teeth on a comb. I mean, they're dirty and ugly and stained and crooked, and you don't have oral hygiene. You've got oral gene. Get out of my sight. I mean, you see the difference? Man, in our, in our schools, in our jobs, and in our church, especially in our homes, we have to discern what's right and wrong, but we've got to be careful when we do it. We've got to sit down and talk through our failures with each other. We've got to take responsibility. We've got to do it in the name of love for Christ and not for us. And we've got to pass out penalties once in a while, but we cannot do it in a way that demeans people and forgets that they're human beings and tries to crush their spirit. I don't think Jesus, number two, is saying in order to be non-judgmental you have to be naive or gullible. I read it on the CDC uh, website. Well, it must be true then. I got on Fox or CNN. It must be true. She told me it must be true. You don't, we don't have to do that to be non-judgmental. I don't have to agree with everything. Several years ago uh, at Christmas, Scotty uh, bought Aaron some scratch-off tickets as part of his present. And he was scratching them off. And I'd never seen this before, but he actually hit for $20,000. Have you ever seen that happen? And he went nuts. I mean, there was pandemonium in the house. $20,000. He's jumping up and down. Ashley's crying. They're trying to decide whether or not they're going to spend this money on a vacation or pay off a car and all this kind of stuff. So I asked him, where do you redeem this? Because I knew what was going on. And he said, well, let me read and He turned it over on the back and the card said, to redeem this ticket, take it to your mama's house because you sure ain't going to get nothing from us. It was a joke. Jesus is not saying you've got to turn off discernment and scrutiny and common sense or you're judging, you shouldn't have slashed his tires either, Aaron. No, he didn't do that either. Thirdly, Jesus says thou shalt not judge does not mean that you have to put up with being mistreated. You know, either let him let you have it all the time or you're judging them. Somebody said one time, if you want to know who really loves you, lock your dog and your spouse in the closet when you leave for work in the morning. When you go home, let them both out and see which one really is God to see you. This is not what Jesus is talking about when he says, thou shalt not judge. The judging that Jesus forbids has to do with the spirit of condemnation and rejection. And that happens when we give in to desire to crush somebody when they don't agree with us. You're wrong about the CDC. You're wrong about the Republicans. You're wrong about the Democrats. Are you so stupid you can't see that? Are you believing all of that? That's soul damaging. And the intent is to do that. That's what judging means to do. Jesus will have nothing to do with that and unfortunately that's where we're at right now in the kingdom on earth we're good at it in fact we can judge and condemn each other without saying a word next time you cut somebody off in traffic catch their eye they don't have to say anything they can condemn you with a look and we do that to each other at home well secondly maybe we should ask why we do this maybe that'll help I mean, if judging somebody or something in the Bible, something the Bible condemns generally, and Jesus forbids specifically, and we know that it condemns people and destroys their spirit, the question becomes, why would anybody do it? Why do we want to do this even? And I hate to tell you, but the hard truth, the simple truth, the quick truth is we like it. We enjoy it. We do it recreationally. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, brothers and sisters, I love you, you're my family. I think sometimes we get a little self-righteous of Christians. And one of the reasons we judge is because we think we're missing out. that they're getting to do something we're not. The classic example of that in the Bible, of course, is the parable of the prodigal son. The young son took off, spent the inheritance while living, remember that, the Bible says. He finally came to his senses, which is a great thing to do. He came home, the dad's just elated, kills the fatted calf, throws a party, but the older brother is livid. I mean, he's so mad he can't see straight. All these years he said, I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed one of your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could have a celebration with my friends, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. This is a classic textbook example of self-righteous judgmentalism. He said, look, this son of yours, he didn't say this brother of mine. I love Ortberg. He says that love always identifies with judgment, always dis- distances from. This, bro- this son of yours just spent all that money on while living in prostitutes. By the way, Jesus said nothing about prostitutes. He made that up he put that in we embellish that that's what we do when we judge people we we throw stuff in there that shouldn't be in there you know what the attitude is this guy is don't you i'm missing out the good life is to be able to have sex with anybody you want drink and party all the time you want to that's what i think the good life is but of course i can't do that because i'm a good person But my brother got to do it and still got to come home. And I don't think that's fair. And I'm just telling you, if we're not careful, that's our attitude. We start looking at the people around us, and we think we're above some of the stuff they're getting by with. And so we judge them. And the truth of the matter is, at least for a little while, sin's fun for everybody, or we wouldn't do it. I like what Greg Rochelle says. He says, if you're not having fun when you sin, you're not doing it right. That's not the Bible, but that makes sense to me. And a lot of times Christians get self-righteous and judgmental because deep down inside we think we're missing out on all the fun. And if we can judge people, at least we get something out of it. And secondly, it helps us feel good about ourselves. The idea is we're the next step up. So we read something in the paper, or you get a, a news thing on your phone, and you look and you think, "How could that politician be so stupid to say something, to tweet something like that? How could that celebrity make that big a mistake? How could that CEO think he could get that? Is so dumb. Of course, I would never do anything like that." And so we judge him, and again, we do that at home, with each other, and a church. For heaven's sake, we're out of control. So, number three, here's what we got to decide. How are we going to fix this? We have to fix this. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We've got to fix this. Well, we know for a fact that we can't not, not sin by saying we're not going to sin. We don't have that kind of willpower. We can't, so we're not going to be able to say, well, we're just not going to be judgmental anymore uh, because we're going to try real hard not to do that. It won't work. What we got to do is beg the Holy Spirit to change that in us. It's going on all around us. We're supposed to be different than that. We've got to ask him to fill us with acceptance. And I'll tell you, a great motivator is to read the rest of this in the same way you've been judged. You you judge, you're going to be judged. With the measure you use, it's going to be used unto you. Now it's called the law of reciprocity. We've talked about it before. We've all seen it in our life. What goes around comes around, you get what you get. You know what I mean? We've all seen that. If you give a lot of love, you tend to get some love back. If you give a lot of hate, you tend to get hate back. If you give a lot of sarcasm, you tend to get sarcasm. If you give a lot of joy, you send It's the law of reciprocity. Whatever you give out, you tend to get back in. Jesus put it like this. With the measure you use, it's going to be measured unto you. So here's the idea. I asked them to look this up. I want you to think about a bucket or a thimble. You got that shot? Get that picture in your mind. Of course, the thimble would be a lot smaller than that. And the idea Jesus is getting at is that as, as I go through my day today, am I going to give out a bucket of encouragement to the people around me or a thimble? Am I going to give out a bucket of grace and mercy, especially if people who disagree with me, or am I going to give them a thimble? A bucket of love or a thimble of love? A bucket of anger or a thimble of love? A bucket of judgment or a thimble of judgment? Because however you judge, that's how you're going to be judged. It's very clear, very sobering teaching. That means when it comes time for you to judge me, and you will come to that time. Some of you have just recently. By the way, I've acted or things that I've said. When it comes time to do that, I'm asking you, please dump a bucket of grace on me. Please think about my past. Think about how I was hurt 25 years ago, and that's why I'm acting the way I'm acting now. Think about how I was brought up. Think about how things are going in my life right now. Think about how maybe my mommy spoiled me by making me too many cookies. My dog died. Think about what's going on and dump a bucket on me and see, here's the thing. If you do that, then when you make a mistake, and you will, I'm going to dump a bucket on you. And I'm going to think about your past scars and your past wounds and your upbringing. So the question becomes, right now, in a world I'm living in, Am I going to give out a bucket of grace and mercy, or am I going to get out a thimble? When I get on Facebook, which I do not, or Instagram, which I do not, or I'm talking on the phone with my friends, which I do, and they disagree with me about social media, or they disagree with me about cl- Trump, or they disagree with me about this or that or the other, am I going to make them feel like they're stupid because they don't see things right because I'm always right, or am I going to dump a bucket of mercy and grace on them? And accept them in the Lord. That's a big question. Because according to Jesus. Whatever you use. That's what you're going to get back. It's just the way it is. One of my favorite uh, illustrations of that. Is Tom Watson. He was a uh, CEO. In IBM back in the 50s and 60s. And one of his executives made a decision one day that cost the company $10 million. Now, that's a lot of money today, but it was an extravagant amount of money back then. So the guy knew he was toast, so he went ahead and wrote out his resignation letter. And when Tom Watson called him into the office, he said, Well, I know, Tom, you're here to fire me. And Tom said, Fire you? Are you crazy? I can't afford to fire you. I just invested $10 million in your education. Get back to work and fix this. Peter denied Jesus three times in his biggest time in need. And I'm sure Peter thought, when I get back in his presence, he's going to fire me. And Jesus said, fire you. Are you crazy? I just invested a crucifixion in you. And I'm in a resurrection business, not the judgmental business. You get back to work and feed my sheep that's Jesus. What, what do you think that did to his heart and his spirit? Don't you think from then on the words, don't judge others, or you too will be judgment, something a little different to him? Now look, I know every one of us in here has somebody in our, in our lives that made a huge mistake towards us. Well, before you judge them, let me ask you, ask yourself, have you ever made a big mistake? We all got people in our lives who are unlovable, greedy, selfish, nasty, and wrong. Before you judge them, have you ever been unlovable, greedy, selfish, nasty, wrong? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same measure you use. it's going to be measured right back to you. Those are Jesus' words. I got to get down to the table. I got one phrase that I got from Dallas Willard last week. The guy's a genius. He's passed, but man, oh man, some of those things. This is what he says, which is life changing if you get it, okay? He's talking about the two main elements of discipleship, which is what we're trying to do at South Union moving forward. Here's the two main elements of discipleship, according to Dallas Willard do your work really diligently with God's help, and then offer gentle non cooperation with evil. Is that good? Do your work diligently with God's help, and then offer gentle non-cooperation with evil. Acceptance without affirmation. Very gentle. Now, if you can think of somebody in your life that lives that way, it makes this very impactful. And I was thinking about my dad. I've talked to you about my dad before. I can't wait for you to meet him. I'm 63 years old. I never met a Christian like my dad, and I have met some powerful people just a good old country country meat cutter who loved jesus christ but he n- gently non-cooperated with evil on so many levels and i'm going to finish with this one gossip my dad just didn't gossip he just didn't and when you were with my dad you didn't gossip either and, and it's an amazing thing because gossip is so nasty it's so evil and it's so good because when you do it you got the floor and people are leaning in, and you get to tell them, and they're listening to you. And then when you're done talking about whoever it is you're talking about, you both get this feeling of gratification because you're up here, and they're down there, and you're never doing anything. Maybe we ought to pray for them. Gossip is a sin because it always involves being judging. And my dad just didn't do it, ever. And it was gentle cooperation because he never said to anybody and you got with my dad he never said thou shalt not gossip in my presence he never had to he just didn't you try to gossip with my dad and he would either act disinterested or sad maybe but he'd always change the subject and so I guess my point is it wasn't any fun to gossip with my dad and remember if you're not having fun when you sin you're not doing it right my dad didn't do it I'm asking you, with all the stuff going on around us, and the need for the church greater than it's ever been in my lifetime. Let's have gentle non-cooperation with the evil of being judging, please. Let's be known for that. And let's start with each other. Do you know what? I'm telling you, there's some people in this church right now that are clear over here politically from me. We see things completely different in the realm of politics. In the realm of all this business with the COVID, we're clear on the opposite sides. And I'm telling you, honestly, I think I would die for them if it came to that. That's how much I love them. It's easy to do that with some people. We've been called to do that with all people. Acceptance without affirmation. And you know why? Because of this table. Because of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation in can't condemn you and you can't condemn me he's taken care of all of that i'm not better than anybody and nobody's better than me jesus has leveled the playing ground by taking it all upon himself so we're going to celebrate this morning the broken body and the shed blood of jesus like we do every week we're going to praise him for that and we're going to ask him collectively as a church body to help us take on the spirit of acceptance and get rid of all this judgmentalism